Hello and welcome to another edition of the Rare Possessions podcast from Book of Mormon Central. You can find us online at archive.bookofmormoncentral.org. I'm your host, Nicoletti, and with me is Jared Riddick. Happy to be back. The one and only. Indeed. The the man that tirelessly brings us our content for these episodes and uh, is, is filling the archive constantly with more and more material. And this week we're going to be focusing on another editorial thought from George Q. Cannon uh, from the Juvenile Instructor. Mm-hmm. And this one was published in August of 1876. Yep. The Juvenile Instructor at this point was a bi-monthly period. Uh, it was published on the 1st and the 15th of every month. And so it's been very interesting going through these. It started in 1866. It had a, a good long print run. And so it's it's really fun to go through yeah. and read these articles. So this one, again, George Q. Cannon being the editor, takes some opportunity here to share some thoughts that he has. Uh, very specifically about uh, the gold rush in and some Black respects Hills. and the Black Hills. But would we would we call this a – is he an Indian apologist? How would we categorize this particular article? Because he seems to come in quite a defense of American Indians. He does. Um, I think you can look at this as a Latter-day Saint positioning, as an ideal Latter-day Saint positioning for the attitude towards Native Americans and First Nation people. And – some state. What was going on here at this point was horrible. They're just the the U.S. government makes a token effort to protect Native American land rights, and then just steps back and lets the gold gold speculators go go on through. And there was a lot of people fired up about this. And you can see he's Elder Cannon quotes uh, from the Congressional Record of the United States of statements and debates that have been made uh, only a few months before. Should we read that? Uh, this yeah. Little section. Uh, Senator, and he doesn't credit the person who said, well, doesn't say the person who said it, but it was Senator John Ingalls of Kansas who made this statement about Native American land ownership. And, he's, and Senator Ingalls said, when you describe them as the owners of the soil, you might as well aver that the rattlesnake, the coyote, and the buffalo are the proprietors of the land where they dwell. They were never the owners of the soil. The law of nations, the law of civilization, the law of humanity repels the assertions as baseless and unfounded. They had the mere right of occupancy. They had the right to exist. So you have a very uh, misguided... I went through, actually, and read through the debate um, that Ingalls was having with Senator Dawes of uh, Massachusetts during this. And you can see that they dance around it. There was definitely some uh, some animosity and anger in this debate. But there's a lot of misinformation. Oh, and uh, Senator Ingalls, like, I don't know if... Uh, says, let me see if I can actually pull it up and get the quote right. The Congressional Record, Volume 4. He's talking to another senator, uh, Logan, from um, New Jersey right here. And he said, if the senator from New Jersey were a little more familiar with the facts in regard to the Indian population of this country, he would somewhat modify his statements. And he goes on to give a very factually flawed uh, history of Native Americans in America. Even to the time, right? I am I could feel comfortable saying even for the time. I don't think a lot of people were arguing that, that all Native Americans, the majority of Native Americans were all in Mexico when there were only scattered populations. Um, everywhere else, we're we're seeing that pretty heavily disproven. We've seen that's pretty heavily disproved. Uh, disproven. Uh, he's just factually wrong. What he's that a politician has never been let the facts stand in the way of making a point. But um, <laughs> yeah, and so he goes on pretty intensively, and and it's interesting to read too because uh, Dawes, who's arguing in favor of the natives, uh, made his own mistakes in trying to. What he would uh, trying to speed up assimilation of Native Americans into white into uh, United States society, but it's very interesting to see this that 
Elder Cannon ties this into Prophecy of the Book of Mormon and Latter-day Saint doctrine, that the Latter-day Saints are the real allies of Native Americans, that they should even exist. And he would say that he's like, not a, a half dozen outside the Latter-day Saints will even grant Native Americans the right to it, the right to live, which is definitely uh, hyperbole. Yeah, it's a little bit of an overstatement, but I, I get the point that he's trying to make. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting, and it's, uh, it's a good article. Yeah. Well, he, he even says here, he kind of calls out, he says, the argument now is that the white man being a civilized man has every right superior to the Indian who is a savage. And he goes on to talk about how, you know, this is the this is the way people are talking about it now. But then he says, such ideas as these shock every properly constituted mind. And so he he's really calling to repentance those of a very, uh, I would say, a common mindset of their time. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you could how common you could say it is, but it was not uncommon for sure for people to to view Indians as a lesser species, even, mm-hmm. which was not uncommon to how they spoke of slaves mm-hmm. or of anybody of a different true ethnicity at that point. He makes the point actually. He goes, um, he goes that any strong race which thought itself superior to another would have the right to rob and crush it out. And he goes, the Chinese call the Americans barbarians. They are counted by hundreds of millions. Suppose they were to send their men and gradually edge us off until they had increased so as to take possession of our lands. How would the Americans like that? Right. And uh, I was like, it's essentially the same. He's, yeah, he's making, a, making a point. Yeah. And it's an effective one. Absolutely. So it's a good, potent, powerful little editorial from uh, Elder George Q. Cannon in August of 1876. But, uh, you know, let's go ahead and say it. it, it is interesting to read as a modern-day reader as well. It is, and I really like the way he wraps it up. It says, the Book of Mormon has taught us who they are and what their future will be. And though the Lord has suffered the Gentiles to scourge them, he has not forgotten them, nor the promises he made to their fathers concerning them. He will protect and preserve them to accomplish his own purposes. Yeah. So here's this one, and uh, we, we anticipate further episodes to cover information and materials from the juvenile instructor, because mm-hmm. that's where Jared's currently working spending a, a good bit of his time as for those of you who are curious i usually try and add about 30 new items to our archive each week sometimes it's more work extensive than others um but it's a i encourage you to keep an eye on the archive and see what new things we post There's how a can lot people of, do that go to archive.bookmorecentral.org and keep an eye on the little section labeled newest archive items okay so is there a way that people can stay subscribed and connected to everything that book of mormon central does including the archive uh, so we have an email list. Uh, you go to bookofmormoncentral.org to the main page, and you can see a subscribe button for a, a daily, uh, which is not always truly daily, email list <laughs> for our new uh, no-wise or blog posts or videos that we come out with, as well as the featured archive item for the week and uh, this podcast epi- these podcast episodes. Awesome. And the weekly uh, tries to combine everything into uh, like one. a digest kind one, of thing? Yeah, kind of a digest uh, email that goes out on Saturdays, ideally. So I'm awesome. also the one in charge of the email list, so <laughs> I do my very best to keep uh, keep our subscribers up to date on what's going on. Fantastic, and there really is. There's so much excellent stuff going on with Book of Mormon Central, and if you haven't taken the time to visit the archive page or the main Book of Mormon Central page, please do so. And if you should feel so inclined to support us in what we're doing, there are ways to support the mission and efforts of Book of Mormon Central, and we want you to go to the Book of Mormon Central dot org webpage to find ways to 
help support us. We would really love to have your, your help, even if it's just sharing episodes of the podcast. That would be wonderful. We love reviews. We love hearing from you. Yeah, thank you very much for listening. And so here we have this, uh, this editorial from George Q. Cannon, and stay tuned for further episodes. Editorial Thoughts by George Q. Cannon and the Juvenile Instructor, Salt Lake City, August 15, 1876. Gold in the Black Hills, gold in the creeks, gold in the ravines, gold in the gulches, gold in the canyons, gold in the valleys, gold in the mountains, gold everywhere. This is the cry which is spread concerning the lands of the Indian. The gold fever is raging. Men of the east, men of the west, men of the north, and men of the south are seized with it. They have been rushing thither. Government, foreseeing the excitement which the discovery of gold would create, made an effort to buy the country from the Indians. But they would not sell, or at least not for the price the government would give. The failure of the government to buy did not kill the fever. Neither was the fever checked by the fact that a treaty had been made with the Indians concerning these lands in which the government pledged itself that no white person shall be permitted to settle upon them. The column of gold hunters pressed toward the Black Hills. The government sent troops there and made feeble attempts to stop the miners from going into that country. But after a while the gold seekers were left free to go where they pleased. They are digging gold all over the hills wherever they can find it. They are building towns and filling up the country as fast as their fears will let them. They have some fears, however. They have a fear of the Indians. While they think they have a perfect right to go where they choose in the Indian country and do as they please there, they may have an idea that the Indians may have different views upon this subject. The Indians, they know, may take it into their heads to kill and scalp the white men whom they find as intruders and trespassers. Cases of this kind have occurred, and they may occur again. This fear acts as a check upon the gold seekers. The treatment of Indians by the people of this nation and the feeling they entertain respecting them is one of the most remarkable fulfillments of prophecy to be found on record. Jesus said to the people of this continent, as we find in the Book of Mormon, that the white men or Gentiles should scatter those whom we now call Indians, should cast them out, tread them underfoot, smite and afflict them, hate them, make them a hiss and a byword and slay them. The Indians should be reduced to a remnant. Has this been done to the Indians by the people of this nation? Are these the feelings they have toward them? Yes, indeed. They are hated with a hatred that can scarcely be expressed. It is frequently said that the only good Indian is a dead Indian, and the sooner they are killed, the better it will be. The general feeling is that they must all be killed off. The buffalo, the antelope, and the other wild animals of the land are being destroyed, and it is said that the Indian must perish with them. It is said that they are doomed to speedy destruction. Probably outside of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, there are not half a dozen persons in the nation who think otherwise. They are counted unfit to live. Men say it is no use to try and civilize them. They never have been. They never can be, they say, be made anything of. Savages they have been. Savages they are, and savages they will be. And they say it is useless to try and teach them to be anything else. So by the great majority of the nation, they are given up as hopeless, and are looked upon as so many wild beasts whom it is no harm to kill, 
and whom it would be a great relief to have out of the way. There was a time when it was acknowledged that the Indians had a right to the soil upon which they lived. The government would go through the ceremony of buying the land from them at a nominal price, but now there are large numbers of people who deny them all right to the land upon which they and their forefathers have lived. It is not long since that a senator stood up in his place in the United States Senate and said, speaking of the Indians, when you describe them as the owners of the soil, you might as well aver that the rattlesnake, coyote, and the buffalo are the proprietors of the land where they dwell. They were never the owners of the soil. The law of nations, the law of civilization, the law of humanity repels the assertion as baseless and unfounded. They had the mere right of occupancy. They had the right to exist. The argument is now that the white man being a civilized man has every right superior to the Indian, who is a savage. If the white man thinks he has need for the land which the Indian occupies, the later has no right to refuse him, but should give it up. It is the white man's because he claims to be civilized. In other words, the white man belongs to the stronger and more numerous race, and might makes us right. The Indian has no rights, which the white man is bound to respect. In the words of the poet, The good old rule sufficeth them the simple plan, that they should take who have the power, and they should keep who can. Such ideas as these shock every properly constituted mind. If these were correct, then any strong race which thought itself superior to another would have the right to rob and crush it out. The Chinese call the Americans barbarians. They are counted by hundreds of millions. Suppose they were to send their hordes and gradually edge us off until they had increased so as to take possession of all of our lands. How would the Americans like that? They could then feel for the Indians whom they have treated in this manner. God hath made one blood of all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. The Indian has as much right to an existence and to a place to live as the white man. The Book of Mormon has taught us who they are and what their future will be. And though the Lord has suffered the Gentiles to scourge them, he has not forgotten them, nor the promises he made to their fathers concerning them. He will protect and preserve them to accomplish his own purposes. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Rare Possessions Podcast. This has been a reading of Editorial Thoughts in the Juvenile Instructor by George Q. Cannon, Salt Lake City, August 15, 1876. Please stay subscribed to this podcast in iTunes or on SoundCloud. Thanks for listening. Thank you.